This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. And welcome to this special edition of the Detroit Sports Podcast Network leading up to Super Bowl 51. We are on Radio Row, not really, but here in Sterling Heights with the Doc from Doc and Jock, the podfather of the Podcast Network, and two great guests are joining this very edition of the pod, and Curtis Blackwell from Michigan State, and a recent graduate transfer from the University of Michigan, now going to Central Michigan, in Shane Morris. A, he's going to be a fifth-year senior, a guy that went to Warren D. LaSalle with me. I got to know him a little bit through that. And I have a buddy at Top Cat Sales where I work in lovely downtown Royal Oak who has gotten to know Shane very well, played football with him at D. LaSalle, and hooked me up with this almost or semi-exclusive interview uh, via the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Vito, good job, man. It's always good to check in with you. I'm interested to hear what Curtis Blackwell has to say about Michigan State's recruiting class. I know all the pub has been about Michigan, so I'm interested to hear what Curtis has to say. And I know you got some great questions lined up for Shane Morris. I know when a player transfers from Michigan to another university, there's going to be some buzz around it. So he's probably going to be in line to be the starter over there at Central. So I'll be interested to hear your line of questioning with Shane. Absolutely. It should be very solid. Both interviews were talking about Shane's decision to transfer, what led into that decision. Also with Curtis Blackwell, our first guest, who will be joining us really quick here. We will be talking about National Signing Day from Michigan State's perspective. About, I guess I'll probably ask him about dealing with U of M, all that pub that U of M gets, and MSU still getting no love. I know they had a rough campaign in 2016, but still a solid recruiting class among the Big Ten powers and college football and the national landscape that is college football. So, Solid job done by Curtis. We'll talk about that recruiting class on this podcast as well, Doc. All right, I'll fire it up and get Curtis on the line. Absolutely. Now joining me on this special edition of the Detroit Sports Podcast Network is Michigan State Football Director of College Advancement and Performance, Curtis Blackwell. Curtis, how's it going? Really good, man. Thanks for being here, man. Happy to join you on the show today, man. Finally get a chance to catch my breath on a busy time today and look forward to relaxing and talking some football. Well, you know, first and foremost, we have to dive into National Signing Day from the perspective of Michigan State. And actually, to start off here, how big of a relief is it for you that Signing Day is behind you at this point? Uh, Vito, it's always um, a pleasure to make it to the finish line, man, because, you know, you put so much time and effort into trying to get the best players to your school. And then once you get to that point where you can finally open up the presents on Christmas morning, sort of what National Signing Day is for us. Um, you kind of get that relief, like, man, all the hard work and effort is worth it. And, I mean, obviously, you know, going 3-9 and nine this year and not necessarily having the Big Ten championship to set on the trophy table when kids walk into the building made things a little bit more challenging. But ultimately being able to see who was really down for us from the beginning of the process until the end, that's made it more fulfilling because you kind of see that there are still a lot of young people who can see that, you know, um, you know, we have a lot of great things to offer, and the people here are really real. And what are your general impressions of this year's recruiting class at MSU? Well, the first obvious thing about the recruiting class is having 16 guys committed from, I would say, back in the summertime all the way through National Signing Day is pretty remarkable. I mean, to think in my four years of recruiting, we had no decommitments, no kids to go visit other schools, and we went 3-9. and nine. 
Um, it it kind of speaks to the fact that we picked the right guys to be part of this program. And then, obviously, we did a great job with the offensive line. Um, we got some big fellas. Um, player of the year, Chicago, Kevin Jarvis. We got Jordan Reed from Detroit Cast Tech. Um, we got another state champion from Ohio, Matt Carrick. Um, we really were able to pluck some big bodies up front. And then we got a lot of legacy guys, players from good family pedigree of football, like Connor Haywood, uh, son of uh, Ironhead Hayward, and we got Andre Rising's son, Hunter Rising, Sheldon White's son, um, Cody White. So we were able to kind of get some good football players who understand the grind and what it takes. And, and that's what Michigan State has made a living off of, getting players to really identify with the mold of who we are as a program. Is there one guy, Curtis, that you're willing to label right now as the biggest catch of this year's recruiting class? I think I think the guys that are – I don't know if I can say there's one. I just think that the guys who've gotten in earlier have an advantage because you get to see them, so you kind of fall in love with those guys. I mean, you know, looking at Hunter Rising and Josiah Scott and Jack Camper from IMG, you say, man, these guys are flat-out competitors. They work their tails off, and um, they're just blue-collar guys. And, I mean, I think that's what um, is what makes those guys really special. Um, but, yeah, Josiah Scott and Hunter Rising would jump off the board right off the bat just because of – um, the way they play um, high school ball, they play at such a high level. But not only that, they've jumped into the winter conditioning, and they've and they really competing with the guys that have been on campus for three or four years. And really, last year I saw that with Donnie Corley, and it translated into him being an All-American. So uh, I'm not going to put that type of pressure on those young men, but they definitely show the ability to compete and work like some uh, straight-up grown men. It seems like MSU is building a nice young core of receivers, too, and Donnie Corley, Hunter Rise, and Cody White. What are your general thoughts about that going into 2017 and then into the future at MSU with those young wideouts? Yeah, we just got to work on protecting the quarterback and getting the quarterback to be a little bit more accurate with passing the ball around, and I think that's going to um, um, help out. But, yeah, we got some good receivers, and, um, and, that's, and that's really what you want. Um, you want some playmakers on that side of the ball, guys who can make – catches on those 50-50 balls that um, sometimes are not necessarily supposed to be catches, but they make the play. We definitely, definitely uh, are excited um, about Hunter and Cody jumping into the fold. Um, And then we got guys, C.J. Hayes from Kentucky and and a kid from Florida, Larise Nelson, who's who's a really good receiver as well. So we brought in four receivers in this class to go with a good receiver class from last year. And I think you're going to see some good things about these guys coming down in the next few years. Antoine Simmons looks pretty solid. I know that's a big get as well for this year's recruiting class at MSU. Do you expect him to play right away? Man, I've been recruiting Antoine for four years, Vito. Four (laughs) freaking years, man. And Antoine went to Ohio State, and they heard me. And then Michigan jumped in there and started recruiting him, and I was wondering, like, man, well, I guess that's it. I know Michigan is going to get him. He's right across the street, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, we ended up getting him, and um, I, you know, I'm very grateful for that one because uh, I, he's going to play as a true freshman, and I mean, that is a good young person. He works with individual young people with special needs. Uh, he wants to be a special needs teacher, um, special education teacher, um, volunteers his time working, you know, in that capacity, and then he also is a student of the game. I mean, he comes to watch film for an hour straight, never pulled out his phone, never was distracted student um and I, I just love his personality his demeanor and then he gets on the field and he turns into a stone cold killer <laughs> i mean you know so uh, i think uh, antoine simmons is going to be phenomenal and then the other part about it is 
he may play some running back for us too, man. I mean, he has some ability on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know. So Antoine is quite the get for us. Now, who are those other guys, such as, you know, you already noted Simmons being this stone-cold killer, can be an impactful freshman. Who are some of the other freshmen that you could see making contributions right away at MSU? We got a kid from Westlake High School out of Atlanta, Georgia, Trey Percy. Man, this kid went to the Final Four in football. That's the home of Cam Newton, Westlake High School, played high-level football. He trains with my guy Derek Tatum out in Atlanta, who uh, you know, uh, Vito, Derek Tatum. Um, this guy, Trey Person, is a baller. He, uh, you know, he's a phenomenal athlete, great ball skills, great tackler, um, can help you out in a special teams game. He's going to be a great, great addition to the defensive backfield. And um, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people even know much about him. He's probably one of those kids that you could compare to, like, a dark West Denard in terms of coming from an under-recruited area and, and just blowing up um, as things go by here. Another kid that you're going to probably be surprised to hear about, but uh, most people don't realize, is Jordan Reed. You know, they gave Donovan Peoples-Jones and, and uh, Jalen Kelly Powell all the pub, but Jordan Reed, man, he's such a great athlete to be a to be a um, to be an offensive lineman, man. I mean, he could probably play both sides of the ball, and he's um, he's phenomenal, man. I mean, he's freaking phenomenal. Jordan Reed is going to be a good guy. Our quarterback from Iowa. How can you not like a guy named Rocky Lombardi? Rocky I love that Lombardi. name. That's a great name. One of the best of all time that you can potentially recruit and get to your program. Yeah, state champion in wrestling, all right, is a freaking athlete, 6'4", can run, um, great personality, light up a room. Uh, Rocky Lombardi is going to be a guy that you're going to see him come and play a lot. Um, we need some help at the quarterback position. And, um, you know, I think Rocky Lombardi is going to be a guy that you're going to hear that name. You'll never forget it. You're going to remember this podcast <laughs> uh-huh. and say Curtis mentioned him. <laughs> I think so, absolutely, with that last name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Rocky Lombardi is another guy um, that, uh, that you know, that that, uh, that we're very, very pleased to have a part of the MSU family. And I think that he's going to um, he's going to be really, really good. Now, it sounds like you guys are going to bounce back from, you know, after that 3-9 and nine disappointing campaign in 2016. But what are the keys, specific keys that you think it will take for MSU to bounce back in 2017? Well, one, we you know we we have to really do an excellent job of of uh, really running the ball and protecting the quarterback. So it's all going to start up front for us with the offensive defensive line, and then our quarterback has to make more plays. Last year, you know, we just didn't really make a lot of plays at the quarterback position, and um, I think it hurt us. But a lot of times, it was due to lack of protection. And so the quarterback was kind of forced to try to create. And, I mean, sometimes when you don't have good protection, you got to be a great creator. And that's what you see the game evolving to, guys who are running with these RPOs, um, like McSorley from Penn State, guys who can run and pass the ball. And um, I think Brian LaWorky gives us a great chance to do that because we never really had a real threat at the running at the quarterback spot that could really run with the ball. And so keeping Brian LaWorky healthy is going to be the key for Michigan State in 2017, okay, and then being able to stop the run. I mean, we got to be able to stop teams from running the ball. Um, that's going to be critical for us. So our defensive line is young. Our offensive line is young. And so we're going to need those guys to be, you know, be grown in and play. But then on the back end, we also have a lot of uh, new faces in the secondary. Monte Nicholson left for the draft, so we got to replace him with another safety. Um, we also have uh, Darian Hicks, a corner he left, and Demetrius Cox, he left. So we really got to grow up in the back end of the ball 
because uh, our defensive backs are going to be pretty young, and so we're going to have to make some more plays. But Justin Lane from Cleveland, from Cleveland, Ohio, is going to be a great player. He was a all-freshman Big Ten player, and he's going to be a guy that's going to step up and play good. And Donnie Corley will still see some action on the defensive side of the ball as well. So uh, I think being able to stop the deep ball is going to be critical to us being able to get off the field on third and long situations so that we can get back on the field with our offense. Now, Curtis, as you know, Donnie Corley was one of the bright spots from the 2016 campaign, and he was named to the Football Writers Association of America Freshman All-America team, along with three other Salmine Soundbody football alums. And, you know, knowing that you have this deep involvement with Salmine Soundbody football, long-standing involvement, how proud does that make you, hearing that Corley made it, but also three other Salmine Soundbody alums made this uh, Freshman All-America team? Vito, I'm, I'm excited, elated, um, ecstatic to hear that the sound body participants made an All-American team. You know, the goal of every student athlete is to go to college, but not only to go to college, is to go to college and play ball. And when you play, you want to make an impact. And so to think that we have four guys from the Detroit camp who were just last year sitting in the auditorium listening to me and you speak are now not only in college, not only playing football in college, but are one of the top players in terms of being an All-American it lets you know and confirms that some of the top talent resides here in southeastern Michigan. I mean, the state of Michigan has some deep talent, and um, it's showing, it shows that we get some national love. But on top of that, it makes me feel as though all of our work, because it's not just me, it's people like you and John Wangler and Derek Tatum and Michelle and all of our crew, Deion Johnson, all of us who work together to put this event on. It lets us know that these kids need the platform to showcase their abilities and, and really let the world know that they are, you know, the future of college football. And so it's just great to know that we play a part in that. And um, I should be asking you, how does it make you feel, Vito, so that you are a part of something that has all Americans out there? Well, I love hearing that it makes a, a great, you know, deep impact. And you know what? We got to keep doing that at Sunline Somebody Football with the youth and that we see coming through high school, going on to college to play at all levels. And it's right. a great thing to see for us, you know, working with Sunline Somebody Football and, Wanted to ask you, Curtis, while heavy on the line here, uh, what's upcoming with the 2017 Soundline Somebody Football Academy Tour? Well, it looks like for sure in Detroit, um, Washington, D.C., um, Ohio, Florida, Dallas. So uh, it's looking pretty big. Uh, right now, obviously, you have the NCAA legislation still um, in play here, so we'll see how all that shakes out. But you know some of the, the regular cities and states are going to be posting Soundline Somebody camps and um we got um, a lot of people already asking and registering for the camp as it is. So uh, the, the momentum is building. And as we now that we're out of signing day, now it's going to get right back to the recruiting season. And you're going to hear more hype and um, all the promotions and things like that will start to take place. So you'll really get a chance to get um, a good feel for what's going on. But Detroit is going to be the granddaddy of them all in terms of all the locations that we operate. And uh, I'm looking forward to you know, running Soundmind for the 13th year, Vito. You know, this will be the 13th year of Soundmind, Soundbody, here in the city of Detroit. Astounding to hear that. And for me, it'll be my second full-time year on board of Soundmind, Soundbody. It was quite the trip. Uh, taking that tour last year with you, Curtis, and the guys. It's on my somebody <laughs> football. We had a lot of fun, impacted a lot of youth, and we should do so once again in 2017. And we'll do our best to keep hyping it up. And, you know, with that being said, Curtis, there's no hyping up needed for Super Bowl 51, which I've got to get your take on it, get a score from you as well, and put you on the hot seat a little bit here. Um, <laughs> who do you got and why? And then the final score as well, you got to provide to my listeners and I. Oh, man, I think 
24 Atlanta. So why Julio is that? Jones, Matt Ryan, Devontae Freeman. I mean, they're going to – their offense is clicking and rolling. I don't know if New England can score enough points to keep up with Atlanta. Um, and I just think Matt Ryan is the hottest quarterback in America right now. And um, I think Tom Brady and those guys have had a great round. But I don't know if they're going to be able to line up the scoreboard if they have enough firepower to keep up with uh, with the Atlanta Falcons this this weekend. Uh, but that's my take. Uh, it's going to come down to defense who can make the most stops because both of the quarterbacks are dynamic. I mean, Tom Brady is probably the best quarterback to ever play the game, arguably. Um, no one has had a better career. And unless Tom Brady can just throw f- for 400 yards in the Super Bowl and, and light it up, I don't know for sure if they'll be able to, but I do know Bill Belichick is going to be working some things up to try to contain Matt Ryan. And so unless Matt Ryan lays an egg and Julio Jones and the boys are unable to get open down the field, I'll be interested to see uh, New England's defense containing that big play offense. I mean, their offense is, is having such a phenomenal year in Atlanta that um, I just don't know if they're able to stop it or contain it enough to, to be able to light it up enough to stay with them. Now, all valid points, as usual, expressed by you, Curtis, but really quick, are you picking against Brady because he went to U of M and you don't like U of M, maybe? Is there any chance of that? I just said Brady's the greatest quarterback <laughs> of all time. I heard that. So, I know hey, you would say that, yeah. Hey, listen, yep. give a little, take a little now, you know, but, you know, Brady, yeah. I mean, hey, look, Tom Brady is, is, is the best, man. I mean, he's the GOAT. I mean, if anybody can say that someone's better than him, like, you, I mean, like, you got to really, really – pull up a resume to really prove that you're able to equal what he's done with the weapons that he's had. He's made everybody around him better. And Tom Brady is really, 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 really doing a good job. So I'm just I'm just happy to see you put me on the spot, man, right now with that. So now that everybody who's in Ann Arbor can put that on the record and say that Curtis Blackwell said the greatest quarterback of all time is Tom Brady. Very good. And, you know, really quick, I want another hot take out of you regarding Kirk Cousins, the guy you saw at MSU. Is he an elite franchise passer right now worthy of that kind of big-time money that is usually going towards a franchise passer in the NFL? Look look what he did this year. Kirk Cousins put up some numbers this year. And not only did he put up numbers, he's produced year in and year out, and he's probably had more success at quarterback in Washington, then who? Name the last quarterback that has done well in, in, in Washington, Vito. Well, Robert Griffin the third. That's about it. Uh, they had Didn't they have Rex Grossman, Ooh, Sexy RG3? Rexy? Really? I know. I one go good year. Far. I wouldn't go one that good far. Year. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> now, RG3 is a Baylor alum, and I went to Baylor, and I like Baylor, and I like RG3. But if RG3 put up Kirk Cousins' number, he would have never left. And if he could stay healthy like Kirk Cousins stayed healthy, he would have never left. Well, so Kirk Cousins is definitely worth it. I mean, you look at it, he is an important part of that franchise. You lose him, what do they have? Yeah, nothing. Nothing valid to use a quarterback to try to get into the postseason. So Cousins is their best option. And that's what I view, too, when talking about the Lions quarterback situation with Matt Stafford, whether or not he should get that big-time contract or if he's deserving of it. He's the franchise passer. Pay the man. Yeah. Pay the man. Yeah. Matt Stafford got to get his check. Yep. Cut the check, Vito. Yeah, Cut he's got to get paid. And I think he will be getting paid handsomely uh, very soon here. And Curtis. Would, would, you pay, would, you pay, would you pay Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins? I would pay Matt Stafford and Kirk Cousins because I don't know what the alternative is. Maybe you're. Would you franchise tag uh, Kirk Cousins or would you let him? Or would you sign him to a long-term deal? I say pay him to a long-term deal. I think he's deserving of it at this point. Why would you right, mess around with the franchise right. tag? If you think he's your franchise passer, you pay the dude the money that he deserves to be 
a franchise passer. So I see that happening, too, because if they don't do it, I think Washington would be labeled as stupid and rightfully so. They got the money. They yeah, got the money. they have enough money. Dan Snyder and company there in Washington, <laughs> they have enough money, definitely. And Curtis, I'll let you go with that. Thanks for all the time, and we'll talk again soon. Man, I love being on it, man. Bring me back again, man, so that way we can talk about Detroit. Martin Luther King, how dare you have a show, have me on, and not mention Detroit Martin Luther King. Hey, I didn't mention De La Salle at all, my alma mater. So, hey, hey it's fair, right. okay? <laughs> okay? Curtis, thank all you right, much. Man. I'll talk to you. All right, talk to you, brother. Yep. Peace. Going from a Michigan State man and Curtis Blackwell to a, well, now a former Michigan man, but I guess always a Michigan dude, and quarterback Shane Morris, formerly of U of M now, and Warren De La Salle High School, my alma mater as well. Shane, good to have you on. Thanks for coming on and doing this segment with me. And, you know, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this conversation, I wanted to get from you uh, what the heck is behind the man crush that you have with my uh, Top Cat Sales colleague, Justin Browning, because it seems like you have a pretty uh, deep one, a highly involved one with Justin. Yeah, Justin. Justin's one of my best friends. Um, you know, when I was a freshman at Deal Sal, he kind of took me under his wing. You know, took me around, introduced me to everyone, and kind of brought me around in, in the Detroit area to you know some camps and some some training, some training things and stuff like that. And really introduced me to a lot of people who you know helped me you know get to where I am today. And uh, I mean, you know, I'm forever thankful for that. And I mean, Justin's one of the, you know, one of the best guys I know. You know, he'll do anything for you. He'll give you the shirt off his back. And uh, I'm really happy about that. I'm really happy to, you know, have met him and, you know, have a friend like him in my life. Yeah, he's a good dude, isn't he? And, you know what, yeah, he hooked me but... up with this interview with you. So we got to thank him as well for the fact that we're talking right now on the Detroit Sports Podcast Network with Shane Morris, who will be a graduate transfer quarterback at Central Michigan this fall. Shane, how hard of a decision was it for you to decide to transfer uh, from U of M? I mean, it was extremely difficult for me and, and my family because my love for the University of Michigan and, you know, the, the football team itself. I mean, I committed to Michigan as a sophomore in high school. Um, I was about you know, 16 years old and now 22 years old. I mean, I've, I've grown up with Michigan and I've grown up around here and, you know, everything, you know, about me, you know, like screams Michigan. And I have a lot to thank from the university, but, you know, for me, you know, for me personally, um, you know, sometimes you just got to do things that, you know, you benefit yourself. And you know, I felt like, you know, going somewhere else and getting the opportunity to play, you know, would really benefit, benefit me and, you know, hopefully benefit my future. For how long, honestly, Shane, did you know that you wanted to transfer from U of M? I don't really know an exact time. Um, that I knew I wanted to transfer. It was just kind of a thing, you know, you realize, you know, you kind of have to do it at a certain point, you know, to get an opportunity to you know, play and, you know, go on to the next level. And now when you first, you know, decided to transfer, when that became official, for how long did you know that you wanted to transfer to Central Michigan? Was it a foregone conclusion when you made the decision to transfer or not so much? Um, no, it wasn't. I was really open to, you know, everything and, you know, everything, you know, everyone had to offer. I got, I got a few offers. Schools closer, schools far away, and things like that. But I have a lot of connections at uh, Central Michigan. Um, as you know, Coach Verska is on staff there now. Um, one of my good friends, Josh Sinagoga, is the, the GA there. One of my really good friends, Josh Cox, is a, is a player there. So I got a lot of people there that I know. A lot of people that are there that you know look after me and you know, have my best interest in mind. And uh, Coach Bonamago as well. I mean, unbelievable guy. You know, from the from the very beginning, you know, he was 100% honest with me. And, you know, told told me straight like it was. And you know, I'm really excited to be going there, you know, playing for a great staff, you know, that I can trust. And, you know, also a good team coming off a good season. And, you know, with a lot of people coming back. 
And now you noted how you have those De La Salle alums, the former De La Salle football headman and Paul Verska over there at CMU. Would you say that was uh, the deciding factor for you in choosing Central Michigan then, Shane? Um, I wouldn't say it was a deciding factor. It um, definitely helped me you know, give them a harder look. I wanted to ask you, too, have you received any assurance yet that you will be the starting quarterback come week one at Central no. Michigan? Uh, no, no, I haven't. And, uh, I mean, honestly, if, if the head coach told me I would be the starting quarterback you know, before I was there, I, I probably wouldn't go there. Um, I mean, because you don't, you don't know how a guy's going to play, and you know, any good coach knows that you don't really know how a guy's going to play and how a guy's going to perform until you, know, you get him on the field. So, I mean, they obviously told me I would have every opportunity to, to start, and I, but I know I'm going to be in competition with a couple other guys, and you know, they have a spring ball ahead of me, so you know, I'm going to have to get there and you know, bust my ass and, and work hard. Well, you better bust your ass, and I think you will. I trust you in doing that, coming from De La Salle, as I did once again, given that plug, I guess, of how we first met at Warren De La Salle, and now you have Josh Cox there, as you noted, too, and, you know, at Michigan, where you formerly played, you had Jared Wangler, you had Jack Wangler there, so some De La Salle alums as well, and what is one, maybe, you know, two lessons or I don't know how many, but uh, give us a few lessons that you will take with you from your time at U of M to CMU. I mean, the biggest thing for me is, you know, don't don't take anything for granted um, and really understand how fast everything goes. You know, the four years I've been here have been obviously amazing for me and, and my family and, you know, everything, everyone I've met. And, you know, they, they swim by so fast. And it's crazy to believe that I'm already, you know, going into my, I'm graduating in April and I'm going to have a fifth-year football but I mean, it's crazy how fast it goes by, and it really, really teaches you to not take anything for granted. You know, really, um, you know, kind of just taking the moments, um, enjoy them, you know, have fun, and don't worry about the future too much. Just kind of work hard where you're at right now. Do you have any sense of regret about going to U of M? You know, looking back at the fact that you didn't, you know, ever become the full-time starter over there at Michigan. So, is there any sense of regret in the back of your head? Uh, for you, looking back at you know your time at Michigan and specifically deciding to attend U of M for your collegiate football career. No, not at all. And I mean, Michigan is you know probably the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Um, the people I've met here, the coaches I've had, teammates and friends that I've made, um, the teachers I've had. I mean, walking away from the University of Michigan with a degree and all the connections I've made. I, I've had a great time here the four years. Obviously, football didn't go as planned, but I've learned a lot. I've become a better player. I've become a much better man. And, you know, I really thank Michigan for all of that. Moving on, I wanted to ask you, too, about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 51. We got to look at that game, obviously, between the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. And you have, in New England, under center, Tom Brady. Tom, terrific. I mean, who's better than him? Who has his Michigan ties, as you know, Shane. And does it make you inclined at all uh, to pick New England? Because, you know, know, Tom Brady did play at U of M. Um, Well, Tom Brady... Tom Brady's been my favorite quarterback, you know, way before I decided to go to the University of Michigan. And uh, I'm a big fan of him. I think he's, you know, one of the best ever play. I think I think he is the best ever play. And uh, him playing quarterback, you know, I really can't take against him. <laughs> it makes you a, so it makes you a little bit biased in so many words, huh, Shane? Yeah, maybe yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Now, so what's your final score then for Super Bowl Fifty One? Ooh, final score: Patriots winning. My go twenty. 24-7. So a blowout. Okay. Now, see, Atlanta, uh, I know everybody's kind of taking Atlanta lightly right now, but hey, Tom Brady and New England going for a fifth you know, Lombardi trophy. They're legit and very hard to pick against. So I'm going to say it's a little bit closer than that, but I wanted to ask you regarding Brady, would you classify him as the best quarterback in NFL history? 
I would, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever been as consistent as him. I mean, one, no one's ever won as much as him, obviously. He's won the most games ever. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I would have to, you know, say he's the best ever. Yeah, it's hard to say that he isn't the best ever. And I think with a fifth Lombardi, you can definitely make the argument yeah. that he is the best quarterback of all time. With that, Shane, I appreciate everything that you contributed to this very edition of the podcast. Uh, thank you much, and best of luck to you at Central Michigan in the fall. Hey, thanks so much for the call. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Shane. I'll talk to you. Have a good one. You too. Yep, thanks. And back here on this special edition of the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. So nice for Curtis Blackwell to join us for that kind of impromptu segment. I actually, I'll tell you the truth, I asked him today to do the segment with me. So that was nice of Curtis, huh, from MSU. Shane Morris, formerly of the University of Michigan, he answered all of our questions today very honestly, and and now U of M is back on track, back on the map nationally, and U of M is a legit powerhouse once again. Look at the recruiting ranks. I mean, among all the popular you know, national outlets that are highly uh, uh, credible, you will see that they are top five at all those different outlets, uh, at least I'll, I'll say it, 95% sure in saying that about U of M's recruiting class from this year. And it seems like Harbaugh now, he's going to keep getting those recruits, man, left and right, kicking down doors to get all these four-star and five-star recruits easily, Doc. I like Curtis Blackwell. I like what he brought to the table. Definitely, you could get a sense that the 3-9 and nine record really hurt Michigan State's program, and you know that they're going to be trying to do their absolute best to try and um, rectify the situation because Michigan recruited very well. You know Michigan was rated very high, I think fourth in the entire country. Their highest rating, I believe, in the entire time of recruiting in terms of rankings, in terms of the class that they got, they got some great players, Vito. So Michigan State's got to do a good job of not only bringing in guys, but coaching them up. And Curtis Blackwell definitely broke it down, and it was nice to hear. And then, and with Shane Morris, I thought he did a good job of really showing appreciation for the University of Michigan yeah, for did. what they did. And I know his time there didn't go especially well. And I do believe, just look what Jake Rudock was able to do when he transferred from Iowa over to Michigan. There is an opportunity, if you do get into the right system, and you get the right support, that he could have some success. And look who's one of the most famous alums from Central Michigan, Antonio Brown. Yes. So big money, cash money, you know, Mr. Facebook Live came out of Central Michigan. So you could just have one good year. Get your nose into the playbook. Learn everything that you can. If you have one solid year, that could propel you into a solid NFL career. So it was, it was good to talk to him. Do you know that J.J. Watt uh, went to CMU? Did you know that about J.J. Watt and then transferred to Wisconsin? How about that story, too? I believe he played tight end at CMU, then went to Wisconsin, became this great defensive end, legendary defensive end, and now he's a stud with the Texans. He's the best defensive player in all of the NFL, in my opinion, Doc. Yeah, the Watt family. Oh, my goodness, dude. How about the other one now at Wisconsin? Killing it as well, going to be drafted. Now, looking at the Super Bowl here, specifically, because none of those guys, by the way, are playing in it. Antonio Brown, J.J. Watt. Now, the teams that are are the Patriots from New England and the Falcons from Atlanta. Hot Atlanta, as I like to call it. Uh, a stop on the Sound Mind, Sound Body Football Academy Tour from 2016, an item that we discussed with Curtis Blackwell, as you know, Doc, and everybody listening to this very podcast. And the Dirty Birds of Atlanta. What is your confidence rating in them on a scale of 1 to 10? Your confidence in the Falcons pulling off at least a semi-upset against the Pats? Per usual, you probably did not listen to Doc and Jock, but on the podcast, me and Adam did talk about the Super Bowl a little bit, and I have Atlanta winning the game. I believe that uh, similar to a great mind, Curtis Blackwell, I think Atlanta has a lot of things going well for them offensively. I think that overall, if you look at it top to bottom, now New England has the best quarterback in the world and the best coach, but I think top to bottom, Atlanta has the best team and two of the foremost playmakers in the entire league in Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. And I do believe that 
if New England tries to shut down Julio Jones, then Atlanta can pound the rock and run the ball with Freeman and uh, Tevin Coleman. So they got a lot of weapons there, and I do believe that Dan Quinn is good enough. He's a good enough head coach with the experience from Seattle to do a lot of things that can stifle Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So I have a score similar, and if my recollection serves me well, I think Which I had... Which isn't always the case, right, Doc? I think I had Atlanta 34-28. So I think no matter what, I do have Atlanta winning the game. So Curtis Blackwell, I believe, if I'm right here, said that Atlanta would win 34-27. to So a point off from Curtis. I hope you're not just saying something because Curtis did and you trust his mind because he's at Michigan State. You're alma mater, Doc. But was also going to say Shane Morris picked a blowout. Wow, from the Patriots' perspective, I know people love the Pats. He loves the Pats because of Tom Brady, but I don't see that happening. And for me, I've got to pick the Pats still. I don't see Atlanta pulling off what could be considered an upset, not a monumental upset. Now, Atlanta has the number one scoring, number one offense. You have the Patriots' number one uh, scoring defense, a great matchup. The defense got it done last year with the Broncos' intense defense stopping. Cam Newton and the Panthers, I think the defensive attack, the unit of the Patriots can do enough to stop Matt Ryan, at least often enough, to get Atlanta off the field and Tom Brady on the field. And when Brady's on the field, miracles. I mean, things can happen. Bombs will happen. Scoring will happen. And I think enough scores will happen from the Patriots in Super Bowl 51 on Sunday for me to convincingly say the Patriots get it done and get a fifth Lombardi trophy doc. Now, my other note, And it's a thing that is regarding prop bets that I wanted to bring up with you before we end this special edition of the podcast via the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. And we talked about on Two Bad Hombres a prop bet uh, consisting of Roger Goodell, his relationship with Tom Brady, and uh, Robert Kraft, and how much that will be brought up throughout the broadcast on Fox between Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on Sunday. And it was over under five that we established that at. And if I'm right here, I believe you said... You could see it being, did you say under five for the amount of times that you think Joe Buck would talk about Tom Brady, the relationship between him, Robert Kraft, and then Roger Goodell, because it's so, you know, tarnished at this point. Did yeah, you say under five? I think I said four. Yeah. I think you did actually four. Now, here's another one for you, Doc. So listen intently here, my man. It is about how many times do you think Gate will get mentioned throughout the broadcast Sunday? Over or under five for that? Oh, definitely. Way over. I think they yeah. get that probably in the first half. You think talk, over five in the first half, huh? You probably could. I mean, they're going to talk about it maybe in the pregame once, right when the game starts, maybe once or twice in the first quarter, second quarter. So you're going to get pretty close. But I would say throughout the whole game, yeah, you're going to probably hear Deflategate probably five times. Now, how about the number of drinks that you will have on Sunday, over or under five? I'm going to take it easy. <laughs> I'm going to relax. It's going to be under. It'll be one or two, no doubt. Now, how about for Robert Kraft? If the Patriots win the Super Bowl, we saw him slur in his words after the AFC after the AFC title game win against the Steelers. Now, how many drinks for Mr. Kraft on Sunday if the Pats win and for a fifth time uh, with Brady and Belichick and in franchise history as well? Tons. He's going to have a good old time. I think over five drinks. I, I think we can easily say that much, Doc. I think they're going to look to have a good old time and uh, really bring home the fifth championship for Tom Brady. I really believe New England wants to cement themselves as being one of the greatest franchises of all time, and it's going to be a great game. I just hope that I hope the game lives up to all the hype this week because it was one of those great matchups. I do believe Atlanta, New England. I just hope that we don't get a defensive game like in the neighborhood of thirteen to six. That would be pretty bad for the league because there really hasn't been that many quality games this playoff round. Do you think we'll get a classic Super Bowl? 
I do. Like some of the ones that we've seen recently. Like, how about those Giants-Patriots Super Bowls? Those are great ones to watch for everybody watching those Super Bowls. How about this year? Do you think it will compare to those Giants-Patriots Super, uh, Giants Super Bowl matchups? I think it'll be just fine. It'll be a great matchup, and I do believe it'll come down to who has the ball last as well. Doc, thank you much for that. I appreciate all your time. Thank you for allowing the lights to stand a little bit later. On this Thursday, we're recording the podcast on Thursday of this week, leading into Super Bowl 51, which I think will be heavily exciting. I imagine a close game and the outcome I see being in the favor, happening to uh, be the Patriots to take. I see them coming out on top once again and see a closely contested ball game all throughout Sunday. So thank you to... Both of our guests, huh? Curtis Blackwell from Michigan State, Shane Morris, formerly of the University of Michigan. Is it weird for you to say that Shane Morris is formerly of the University of Michigan? Now, isn't it kind of weird to say that? He was this highly touted prospect coming out of high school, coming out of my alma mater, Warren De La Salle High School, a four- or five-star prospect, ranked by many outlets in that manner as a four- or five-star quarterback, a pro-style QB. And now, you know, our question has to revolve around whether or not you know, he can get it done as a starting quarterback at Central Michigan in the MAC conference, you know, an easier conference in the Big Ten. What are your expectations for Shane at Central Michigan? Really quick before we get out of here, Doc, do you imagine him succeeding and highly succeeding at Central Michigan this year? I think he has every chance, but uh, it's one of those things where I'm going to be watching to see if he gets his bell rung. So yeah, to speak. right. I want to make sure that uh, he's getting taken care of better than maybe he did at Michigan. Yeah. But I just want to see him, you know, meet his potential. I just think that's the biggest thing people are saying is that there's a little bit more. And I just think that if he hits the playbook and he's surrounded with a good offense and like, and like with any squad, the offensive line has to protect the quarterback. If they give him time, he can survey the landscape. And one thing I like about Shane Morris is he is elusive. And that's a factor in a quarterback that can help you extend plays. And really, in the league, it'll help you get your foot in the door. If you can just get that first down, because look what Stafford was able to do in 2016. He was able to rush the ball a little bit, and damn near half the games, he was the first or second leading rusher for the Detroit Lions. And if you can extend plays, if you can do things with your feet and make the magic happen, then you have an opportunity to do some things and get some wins. Eloquent. Always, Doc. And thank you for the insight on that very matter about Shane Morris. Uh, great thanks to him once again for doing the interview on this very podcast. I think it was the first one, Doc, that he's done since his transfer from U of M, too. So making it kind of an exclusive for you and I, you know, featured through the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. And hopefully everybody enjoys those two interviews with Curtis and Shane. And thanks to all of you who do end up listening to this fine edition of the podcast. And enjoy Super Bowl 51 and do so safely and smartly, right? We always have to say that to you out there who will be celebrating, living it up a little bit. Do it safely, you know, under control on Sunday with your family and friends. Guys, thank you much again. Doc, adios, and adios to all of you out there as well. This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network.